strange stories of peculiar people and extraordinary events throughout history. This is Notorious Narratives. Welcome to Notorious Narratives. I'm Jen. And I'm Robin. Tonight, I'm going to talk to you, Robin, Mm -hmm. and you, darling listeners, about sin eating. (laughs) Fuck. And those who performed the act who were known as sin eaters. Well, I'm screwed. <laughs> it's not it's not eater. like an eating disorder. No, no, I'm thinking about like what I consume is a sin. Mm-mm. Nope. No, okay. No. Good. Okay. Mm-mm. I'm like, so sorry. <laughs> I mean so, so sorry for my mac and cheese. So sorry. As we literally just took bites of mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. There's always like certain topics that I gravitate to. I talk about funerals a lot. I talk about death a lot. I love cemeteries and monuments and prayer cards and all different cultural funeral practices. Mm-hmm. I'm just weirdly drawn to it. I've always been really fascinated by the whole thing. Yeah, I don't know. Of course. Just yeah. Since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So it probably comes as no surprise that the topic that I'm going to talk to you about is actually a historic funeral practice. The Sin Eaters is a funeral. Yes. Oh, I'm interested. Okay. So I've had this one on my list for a long time, but I kind of question myself, like, why do I keep choosing all these like death and funeral topics? Like, I, what the fuck? Like, what's wrong with me? Why do I do this all the time? Don't don't ask yourself that because, you know, I'm doing the same exact thing. I don't know. I think I do it more than you. I love a good funeral. Yeah, I love I love so, the funeral and, you know, and, and a burial practice. Depending on culture. Yeah, please. Right. Please. Yeah. My name's written all over that. But like, I just, it really, it made me kind of think about it. And like, I just kept seeing the topic on my list and thinking. Then do it. God, like, I want to do that. But like, God, I just talk about funerals so much. Please. I talk about funerals and natural disasters yeah. all the time. <laughs> I mean, it's true. <laughs> but have you ever thought like, why? No. Like, why? I was just thinking. I was like, man, no. like, why do I always want to talk about, like, funerals and um, death and practices culturally that surround it? It's and the I was like, one thing that we all have in common. Of course. Right? There's only we, one, one way in, one way we out. We all right? die. So what is the problem with you talking about the different ways and how that's done? Right. How many people do it a different way? There are 11,000 different types of burial ceremonies in this world and we've only talked about a handful yeah like seven or eight so this is if this is a topic that we like to talk about (laughs) guess what you're gonna be hearing a lot more of it yeah i was just like thinking i was like oh did did i just go to too many funerals when i was a kid like when i didn't really understand and no the problem with with a kid is that you only went to one certain type there's a lot of out there that you never experienced or or went to before so it piques your interest so it's kind of just you know ideas milling around in my brain i'm at work i'm kind of thinking like god why am i so goth like what what the fuck's wrong with me (laughs) like god i mean i'm not but like jesus like i'm always like thinking about this shit and every time i drive past a funeral home i'm like ooh, i wonder what like their couches are like so i was thinking about it and i was thinking god i think i just went to a lot of funerals but growing up and talking to other adults i realized i probably didn't go to all that many funerals Mm. i just but there is something like I, I spent a lot of time with my uncle and he he had a floral shop. So he would let me kind of be in there and, 
you know, help him with the flowers. See the arrangements for the funeral. The arrangements. And he would help me. He would take me to deliver them. And I would kind of get to, you know, wander around a little bit of the funeral homes when I was a kid. And then, of course, the movie My Girl came out. If you are too young I mean, to have seen it, please. I would have no problem being grown up in a Take home. a step back. No problem whatsoever. Really because, my God, that movie, I was like, I should have grown up in a funeral home. Yes. I was the kind of kid who should have been in a funeral home. Anyway, regardless. But so this topic kind of sent me down a little bit of like an introspection spiral. But regardless, we'll get back to the topic. Sinating. This practice is an odd one. It is rarely described in texts. Most of its mentions come from legends, folk tales, and cultural essays of the time. The practice seems to have been isolated to Great Britain, where it was most prevalent in rural areas in the 16th century and was abandoned by the beginning of the 20th century. When a loved one died in England, Scotland, or Wales, the family grieved, and part of their grieving process involved placing bread upon the chest of the deceased. And then they sent for the local sin eater. It was a person? Yes, it is. Right, so this is going. the oh. sin eater is a person. And what are they? What does the sin eater do? They're going to eat the bread and then the body. Well, a sin eater is a person who consumes a ritual meal in order to spiritually take on the sins of the deceased person. Oh. The idea is that the food absorbs the sins of the recently dead person, thus absolving the soul of that person. And the person just eats the meal? The sin eater, as a consequence, carries the sins of all the people whose sins they have eaten. Anthropologically, this is viewed as a post-death ritual. Mm -hmm. In a way, many may think of Jesus as the original sin eater, considering that he offered his life to atone or purify all of humanity of their sins. Jesus Christ, who, according to the Bible, willingly sacrificed his life to cleanse humanity of their sins, served as a role model to the original sin eaters, who offered their souls to purify the souls of the departed. I feel sorry for the sin eater. Oh. Like, do they... Are they banished because of their full body of sins? Or are they accepted by God because they voluntarily took the sins of these people? Those are great questions. They're questions worthy of answers. I know you're going to answer them. And I will answer those questions. But I'm really worried about the sin eater. Who also is it is mm. is it a I feel like you're gonna ask all the questions that I'm about to say. Is it yeah. a Go ahead. Is it Get a family is it like a lineage? Mm. Like you know Unlikely. Like the Not father's like a senator and then his grandson. It's no. like I don't think so. So it's just someone that volunteers to be a senator yeah. by the church? Mm-mm-mm. No, voluntarily. Yeah. And so of course, since no one asked him to do that, then mm-hmm. he is 50 50. Mm, 92. 90, so, 90 Not even 90 10. We'll get that. 99 1. He's 1%. 99.9.1. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many questions. Okay. Yeah. And we're going to probably and, talk about them. And do, do they have family? Are they single? 
are they an old so I think or, that the, do they have diseases and they're like, oh, well, you know what? I'm already just like kind of dying already. I might as well just take the sins from some other people because there's no point of. I'm, I'm but Robin, I'm, I'm having a, a disease, I'm mind. but having a disease isn't a sin, right? No, but so, if you no, have no, a no. disease and you know there's no, there's no cure, you're going to die anyway. No, no. You're like, oh, I might as well use my time here on earth to consume the sins. But by consuming the sin. You take that sin into your soul, and therefore, your soul is yeah okay darkened and I unable. Of course, but I think the 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 big question that you probably have that you're kind of sparking off the smaller questions of is what kind of person mm-hmm. would choose to do this? Mm-hmm. What kind of person do you think would do it? A monk, a priest, um, a elderly like a grandfather of the family those are great guesses none of those are correct oh no no fuck and so there's a a critical piece of information that i haven't given you yet that i think will help you okay to really understand where we're going but first i'm just gonna a criminal do this little i'm just gonna tell you this little bit i'm just gonna throw i'm so sorry every time i think of something i'm just gonna scream it I'm just going to tell you this other little bit of information that I'm going to give you that piece of information that's going to change okay. how you view it. <clears throat> okay. okay. A child. Sorry. Just. Sorry. Okay. Just. I'm, I'm sorry. Got it. I feel Got like it. I'm in the worst episode of Jeopardy ever. <laughs> except you're not even asking the question of the form, the answer of the form of a question. So we talked about how like Jesus could kind of be seen as a sin eater. There's another type of sin eater that um, people identify and that is one in Aztec mythology. And this is the goddess of earth, motherhood, and fertility named Zlatzlatel. And in like the religious practices of the Mesoamerican civilization, at the end of an individual's life, he was allowed to confess his misdeeds to this goddess. And according to the legend, she would cleanse his soul by eating his filth. Bugs, snakes. Ideally, sin eaters were seen as a person who enabled the souls of the dead to safely ascend to heaven. Also, this person was thought to prevent the sin-plagued dead from returning to earth in spectral form of ghosts or wraiths. Welsh lore suggests that the deceased person's sins were absorbed by the sin eater, so then therefore the dead would have no need to rise from the grave and wander the earth in discontent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe. Forgiven, resting peacefully, they could remain in the grave to the ease of all those left behind. Mm-hmm. Fear of the wandering dead has long plagued most of civilization. Absolutely, yeah. But the thing that's important to understand about sin eating, it is not an act of martyrdom. It's just these people... Are professionals and okay. they are paid. Okay. So okay. they are paid for their services and the service that they are providing is to essentially sell their souls. They're ideally eating the sins of people for money. For money. So how it sort of worked is the family of the recently deceased would pay the village sin eater to rid their departed loved ones from all of the sins that they accumulated during their lives. And the sin eater 
would perform an eerie ritual that supposedly allowed the dead to enter heaven. Many people believe that a piece of bread or pastry should be placed upon the chest or the face of the dead person, the corpse, and that it would absorb the sins. And as family members are gathered around the corpse Mm -hmm. and they're drinking ale and discussing the life of the person and mourning. Location. It was a burial ceremony, right? So all of these people were buried underground. So this is the yeah, this ceremony is before, that happened before. Yeah. They, so this is well, per, in a cemetery. Let's because I'm, I'm trying we're in to, a village in yeah. Great Britain, mm-hmm. right? And it's 1720, and John the blacksmith dies. John the blacksmith dies, and John wasn't the greatest guy. You know, he hit his he hit his wife. He. He overcharged people for his Mm -hmm. services. He maybe had a child out of wedlock. You know, he he wasn't the best dude, but his family had a little bit of money because he's a blacksmith, right? So they've got a little bit of coin and he dies. And what they want more than anything is to make sure he goes to heaven. And so So they're like, how do we get him to heaven? Right. Mm -hmm. He John's kind of a dick, but, you know, he's our dick. And we have this money, and the right thing to do is to get him to heaven, because we also want to go to heaven. So if we don't get him absolved of his sins, then I won't go to heaven. Yeah, then yeah. we have a sin, yeah, yeah, got it. right? So it's this like sort of cyclic mm-hmm. folklore. Yeah, and everyone in the town's you know a little spooked by it, and there's this guy, and this guy shows up, and he comes to the house, and you give him X amount of money. And he eats this bread that has sort of symbolically taken the sins out of John. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the deal. Yeah. And this is before the casket is carried yeah, out. Well, th- th- well, that's what I was going at is that it is still a funeral ritual where funeral there ritual. is that that there is something going into the ground. It is a cemetery. Yes. Because in my mind, like we talked about in previous episodes about – the different type of air and and right. and bird rituals of, of yeah. burial where they leave the body out for the prey to take its sins and to take everything from Absolutely. it. So I, was just, so I was just trying to be like, okay, this is still a it's all yeah in ground ceremony. This will burial, eventually be but an in ground burial. Extra step they take before that process this happens. Is, yeah, this is got um, it. This isn't a burial ceremony. It's a, it's it's a, a funeral yeah. ritual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's pre-burial. Mm-hmm. We're we're in the funeral portion yeah, yeah. of things. Okay. So the family of deceased, the deceased, pays the village sin eater to rid their loved ones of all their sins. And they come and eat the bread. And the family members are gathered around the corpse. And they're drinking ale. And they're crying and, you know, mourning. And the sin eater literally eats the food in front of the family and symbolically takes in the sins of the deceased by consuming these funerary snacks. After the food has been consumed, the sin eater would recite a prayer. In one tale from Shropshire, England, the prayer went like this. I give easement and rest now to thee, dear man. Come not down the lanes or in our meadows. And for thy peace... I pawn my soul. Amen. So there is very much this idea that putting them at rest and allowing them to be in heaven keeps them from being a 
ghost. Mm -hmm. So it keeps them from being haunted. Sure. It keeps the family from being haunted. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's... Bread off my chest. I just call that Tuesday. (laughs) Happy holidays. I was wondering where my bagel went. (laughs) It's like, you want to dab that a little bit, get all that extra everything bagel, right? (laughs) The poppy seeds just go everywhere. Man. Poppy seed and cleavage for days. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Anyway. (laughs) So... While this was a profession, it certainly came with a stigma, like you were saying before. The family who hired the sin eater believed that the bread literally soaked up their loved one's sins. And all the misdeeds were passed to the hired hand. Was it damp? Was it wet bread? Yeah. Please, come on. If it's still toasty or... I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of different parts of... So there's like... The guy like kind of drip it in water a little bit? They kind of made it seem like it's almost like a wet dough. I know. And so it's unbaked bread? It seems that way. So this guy just ate yeast? Just dough. It seems like it's dough. This guy just ate a giant thing of gluten. In everything that I read, it sort of seems like a gluten ball. I feel sorry for the guy. There's going to be some colitis. He's going to have some troubles. Oh, my. Tell me props. This isn't a fine meal. He's like, I gotta go. Let's just move on from our gluten intolerance. I'm so sorry. I'm I'm, I'm picturing in my head and I'm getting away with myself. Sorry. You're getting carried away with yourself and your own gluten issues. I have none of this. (laughs) So the concept I think that is most important to understand about when you're thinking about the sin eater Mm -hmm. is to understand that the sin eater is literally bartering his soul. I know. Yeah. Which is heavy with the ill deeds of countless men and women from the village and is paying a quite a high spiritual price for very little monetary return. Is there a limit to how much he can do? Or or she. No. I'm saying, I keep saying he. Ideally, all of the sin is gone. He eats the chunk of bread from the, like, corpse And then it goes through his body, and then he's gone, he starts all over again? No. No. It stays with him because he eats it, and it is used as the fuel for his growth and his development. And so every skin cell is full of sin. Every hair follicle is full of sin. I'm just wondering Every tear is full of sin. Every tooth is full of sin. How many people he can do this for? They Unlimited? do it until no they cap. die. So, but the amount of money that they're actually paid is about the equivalent to four English pence, which is equivalent to a, only a few dollars today. Yeah, that's ridiculous. So they're doing this for very little money. So this is what I was saying before. Ideally, let's think about who would really do this, right? Who would dare risk their immortal soul? At such a religious time in history. The poor. The very poor. Those whose desire for a little bread and drink outweighed those concerns. Poor. It's a warm place to go to if it's the winter. And they're there for the entire ceremony until it's their turn. So they're now warm. they are getting. They're fed. They've gotten some drink. Head. Yeah. A couple bucks. Mm-hmm. And they leave. And I'm telling you that, like, if. They could probably do a few a night. Yeah. So, I mean, these people, it seems like there was only one per town or village. Because back then, you know, they freaking... And they would just go from place to place. So, but sin eating was feared. And those individuals who performed the service were not revered as Jesus, but rather shunned by society. 
forced to live solitary lives that even the slightest interaction with them would be seen as bad luck. So do you think that the poor, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry to say that so loosely, but do you think that the poor were the ones that developed the sin eaters? So, you know, the idea of taking the sin away through food was certainly a concept that goes back a good long way. But do you think that, you know, churches before that or the funeral processions would know about a sin eater? Or so, do you think that they were the ones that actually developed a it? A lot of anthropologists think that the so like process entre- is more of a pagan process. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, being poor and indigent, if these people started to show up and say, well, you know what? I'll just eat it all. Yeah. And then you guys don't have to do it. And then they get a couple of dollars for so it. So these poor were on- yeah. entrepreneurs in a way. In a way, yeah. These these poor folk that this would is go during- and... Be sin eaters had an entire establishment. I mean, so and a constant flow of currency. But there aren't that many people dying. These are small villages. These I are know, rural villages. I know, but, they're still very poor. But, but they're businessmen. They did it. They did, but they weren't making like a great living. I'm just saying that they were. They yeah. were very. They were. They, but they weren't. They were. <laughs> they were smart, and they were. They were making a living for what they thought was a, of a living. So. They, they, got a, 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 they were smart probably by today's standards, right? Mm-hmm. Because we would probably look back at that and be like, uh, that's, of course, you can just like eat the bread and make some money. Like, you're no, not actually ingesting made, someone's sins. They made these people believe. But during this time, those people, the, the burden that they take on is they truly believe that they're eating another person's sin. Mm-hmm. They believe that they're going to be damned to hell for doing so. They believe that they know that no one in the town is going to talk to them. They're going to have no wife. They're going to have no children. They're going to live on the outskirts of town in a shack and no one will speak to them. And that is what they're choosing other than any other job, any other profession, clean the shit out of a stall. Milk a cow. So who was the first person that kind of established this type of job? These these sin eaters are very it's a cult. It's it's not even like a cult. It's just it's it's almost it's like a legend. Yeah. It because it's not seen no in no. larger communities. It's, not it's seen, very rural. It's not asked for unless for for the dead. But like you don't. Oof. So, yeah, so ideally the idea is that these people are pawning their souls and to take the sins from the dead and to add them to the collection of their own sins. So such an act, although respected, was considered a work of dark magic, witchcraft, supernatural forces, the devil himself. To look a sin eater in the eye, even for a mere second, was said to bring about bad luck. The life of a sin eater was not only lonely, but also quite dangerous. Since the Catholic Church had a monopoly on the absolution of sins, and members of the clergy were the only ones allowed to perform absolution rituals, sin eating was outlawed and punishable by death. Not only those who conducted the sin eating, but also those who employed sin eaters to rid their dead loved ones of sins were seen as heretics, blasphemers, and worshippers of Satan. 
Therefore, sin eaters were usually forced to keep their business shrouded in a veil of secrecy. That's a shame. The last known sin eater, a man named Richard Munslow, died in 1906 in Ratlane's Hope, a village in England's West Midlands, county of Shropshire. 1906. Unlike the majority of sin eaters, who usually came from poor families and were often beggars or drunkards, Munslow was born in a reasonably wealthy family and was a respectable farmer. The practice was nearly obsolete in his area, but Munslow revived the practice. He did so, not out of desperation, but due to incredible sadness. He had suffered the loss of four children, including three in a single week. It is speculated that this tragedy drove him to practice the sin-eating trade. At first, as a form of grieving, to help his children on into the afterlife. And according to local tales, he entered the sin-eating business purely out of kindness and love for his fellow villagers. He offered to absorb the sins of the recently deceased to continue a once prominent tradition that had died out in the early 19th century. Interestingly enough, not too long ago, his hometown actually raised a thousand pounds to restore his grave. And because they wanted to bring oh. they wanted to to bring notoriety and attention to this historic practice. So Sinidian. I found it weird that they went back to his grave. Well, I think his no, I think his gravestone was fallen into disrepair. Oh. And I think it was knocked over and I think they kind of came across it and realized what it was and what it meant. And the town was like, this is so incredibly unknown and strange that let's try to raise the money to have his gravestone remade. And in doing so, hopefully we can get a little publicity for the town and also for the idea of these people who martyred themselves for a few dollars to take on the sins of their loved ones and those in their town. Because the idea is that, you know, for Richard Munslow, at least, this last senator, he did he did it because, you know, his life was so different after he lost his children. And when they died, he wanted to take their sins on. And I think he had knew this tale. And I think it was probably a little far removed mm-hmm. for him. But it was something that he was willing to give up. And I mean... I think that any parent would do that. Absolutely. And I think once he had done it and his the idea is that his soul's already kind of gone, then he may as well just do it for everybody. Right? So I think that like the thought that you had in the beginning is kind of the spirit that he embodies, but that's not the spirit that others embodied. But while sin eating is certainly one of the food practices related to funerals, it is not the only one. And I felt like I'll just tag a few others on here at the end. So, uh, for instance, during the Middle Ages in Germany, there were there was a funeral tradition of eating corpse cakes. They symbolically mirrored the act of eating the deceased. But again, the same concept of transferring wrongdoings of the deceased to the living and allowing the dead to pass on safely is still this is Germany there. This is in Germany. After the body had been washed and laid in its coffin, the woman of the house would prepare a leavened dough and place it on the chest of the deceased, and there it would be allowed to rise on a linen-covered chest. So this was the dough. They would take the raw dough, pop it on. Have it rise? Cover it up. From what? The heat of the body? It's cold. Well, I mean, I think it was done pretty quickly, so I think it was still the warmth of the body. Oh, my God. 
essentially a corpse proving drawer yeah well did you cover it with a towel and let it rest for 24 hours i think that's exactly what they did robin really? that's what i'm telling you the woman of the house prepared leaven dough and placed it to rise on the linen covered chest of the corpse so <laughs> it was believed that the dough would absorb the deceased person's qualities and in turn, pass it on to the mourners. So it wasn't just the sins, but also any strengths that they had, their virtues. Similar traditions were found in Hungary and other parts of Central Europe, where various sorts of foods and drinks would be placed on or close to the corpse for a minimum of an hour to absorb the virtues of the dead. In a tobacco-based version of this concept, um, in Ireland, they would put a bowl of snuff on the chest of the dead person and or on top of the lid of the coffin. And then each mourner would take a pinch of snuff. Some even created special vessels. Special bowls, known as brazier bowls, would be used to hold bread, salt, ale, or wine from which the sin eater would eat. This type of vessel originated in Nordic culture and was made of turned maple wood, often eight inches or more across. So quite a big bowl. Mm -hmm. And these bowls had bands of metal that were often decorated with rich tooling. And people would kind of fixate on the, how they would die. And sometimes they would actually make their bowls before they would die because they wanted their bowls to be very special. And so the sin eater would consume from the bowl that had been put upon the chest. That had been made specifically. I'm going to make my own bowl. But then after the burial, the bowl would actually become a family heirloom and a memorial to the person. Right. And so it would be kind of a memento. Anthropologists believe that this sort of grisly habit of eating um, the sins may actually evolved into more civilized mourning practices, such as sort of medieval Europe, they started to use something called funeral biscuits. Oh, no. And they became very popular during the Victorian age. I don't like the sound of that. (laughs) By the 18th century, commemorative funerary food traditions were becoming so refined in Europe and the U.S. that and focused on offering small cakes to those who came to wakes and burials. These were known as funeral biscuits, Or, in the U.S., we called them funeral cookies. Although they varied widely in size, shape, and consistency, in spirit, they're all the same. Bakeries competed for customers, serving funeral biscuits in ornately printed wrappers, bearing advertisements along with a maudlin verse. The biscuits were often baked hard so that they could be used for dunking and for ale and also be kept as a memento of the loved one. Dip in tea. Dip it in the tea or some spice cider. I love it good. While the custom seems to have died out, the idea of offering food to funeral guests and giving something that might be kept as a memento of the deceased has continued to appeal. As, I mean, you still get a prayer card. card, yeah. You still have a repass Mm -hmm. of food. So this idea of sin eating sort of traveled and morphed into a feeding people and giving a them a memento global and more of a i mean it's considered a numerous the amount of normal yeah. funeral practice now so that is the strange story of sin eating and other funeral foods 
just another notorious narrative. Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, there are a couple of things that you can do to help us out. You can leave a positive review wherever you're listening now. You can also go to patreon.com forward slash notorious narratives, where you can access content that is exclusive for our patrons. And remember, keep it weird and never stop exploring.